Hello, hello, and welcome to Art Pop Talk. I'm Gianna. And I'm Bianca. This week, we've got an art news roundup for you all. That's right. There were really too many big art news stories that we wanted to talk about, so we are combining them all into one art news episode. All right, let's get into these mini, (laughs) wink, wink, cough, cough, topics for today. Hello, hello, my dear. What's shaking bacon? <laughs> Happy February. Happy I am, freaking February. Did we make I am it through? <laughs> Honestly, it, you know, I'm investing in some new extreme lotion. I got to get this static under control for my hair. But other than that, I feel like February is uh, it's looking good. <laughs> You uh, got a little snow day yesterday. You went out (laughs) with all the little doogies in the park. It looks so cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm on the hunt for Liz Warren and Bailey, like, constantly in the park. (laughs) Um, So yesterday, after the blizzard that we got in Boston, Andrew and I walked around the park, and there was just – I mean, normally I can count on a doggy meetup somewhere in the common, but – there were there was a big doggy meetup and they were all just running around playing in the snow and it was so cute and I did see a golden retriever who looked like Bailey but I don't think it was Bailey but honestly we were the creepers who would stand on the edge of like a children's playground and just like watch or something but we just like stood on the side and like watch these people's dogs (laughs) we were just staring at them but we saw this golden retriever just like plop down in the snow just like just like sat down (laughs) like from my apartment window i can see them like bounding in the snow you know just like see little like tufts of snow fly up it's so cute so yeah yesterday we we uh watched some football and uh we uh watched some some dogs in the park good day (laughs) yeah good day i do have some uh some news i suppose that is related to art pop talk i no longer work at an art museum gianna isn't that wild (laughs) welcome to the other side it's just wild to me happy for you know that i am (laughs) i mean i do need a job so if anyone is listening in boston and is looking to hire heads up i'm here i mean how do you feel Honestly, I do feel good. It It is definitely, you know, it's never fun, I guess, being out of, out of a job. And really, I, I'm very, very lucky because I've never found myself in this position necessarily. I mean, since school, I've always been very lucky to know what's coming next, I suppose. Like, I've just never had a, a break. But I'm looking forward, like it's Monday and I don't, I don't have to check my email, (laughs) you know, I feel like a little bit unnerved, I guess, in that fact, like I feel the need to get on Outlook and (laughs) like start doing stuff, but um, I'm making a lot of headway in terms of interviews and I'm feeling good about that, like I had a lot of first rounds um, the past two weeks, so I'm kind of waiting to hear back from some things, so you know, it'll be a little bit longer until something comes up, but I am feeling better about it. But I was talking to um, 
really feel like a bunch of our friends have transitioned recently in jobs or I've been meeting people here in Boston who are kind of transitioning out of a job and into a new one that they're really passionate about and people are kind of taking that break if they if they are able to and a lot of people have been talking about taking two weeks off or having a little staycation so I mean it's it's not by choice I suppose that I'm doing that like it's just because I haven't found another job yet but it is interesting, I guess, just to navigate this. It is a little stressful because I feel like with other people, they they had, they had do have another job lined up, you know what I mean? And they picked their start date to be two weeks out or to be able to take a two-week break. Um, but I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know if I'll ever work at an art museum again, which was kind of what I was thinking about this past weekend. So, Yeah, I mean, you know what? <laughs> The startling thing is, (laughs) maybe this is a startling discovery for the art Pop-Tarts, but um, in my journey, my quest, not that people forget, or I know it's hard to put things in perspective towards Bianca and I's work history because it's just like a fucking a lot (laughs) because I keep changing jobs every five seconds, is that I guess if you don't count, you know, 21C Museum Hotel, which isn't, I don't know. That's like a gray area, I feel like, of mm-hmm. museum-ish world. It's a unique situation. Yeah. I've only formally worked in one museum mm-hmm. um, for yeah. quite a long time, um, but still. And it's just kind of been been a little bit downhill from there. And for me, it's been more of how can I be involved in, in kind of community work and you know, spread like a love and a mission and a passion for arts and be an advocate for mm-hmm. people, but um, just doing that through through different types of places. And I'm in the probably like the most healthiest work environment that I've been in in a year and a half, almost two years. And mm-hmm. you know, it's been the farthest removed from a formal arts institution. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm looking at some things that are creative in nature I suppose or there are other positions that are kind of related to the arts in different ways other than museum work that I've been looking at so it is it is really interesting but in interviews people are asking me about why I'm making this change Mm -hmm. out of museums and I feel like the people interviewing me have been really receptive to that and also shout out to every single art historian in Boston who is no longer working in art history because I feel like I've met about five of them already. Like I've joined Bumble BFF to start like meeting people and making friends in Boston. And it's completely coincidental. Like we haven't talked about our like education background on Bumble chat, but when I meet up with someone I've met a handful of people who who studied art history, maybe they studied liberal arts, and now they're working in a completely different field here in Boston. And it's just been so cool and so interesting. So in that sense, I also feel excited about a different path. And also one of the hiring managers that I met with in an interview she asked about why I was switching from kind of art history and museums. And she was like, well, I studied art history and now I'm working at this place, whatever. I was like, oh my gosh, this is just... Mm -hmm. So that kind of stuff has also been, I don't know, making me feel comfort in the fact that I can still 
kind of cherish the parts that I do love about art history and museum work, but that doesn't mean that I have to be paid by them as my employer any longer. And mm-hmm. I think that's just cool about what we're still doing with APT. Mm-hmm. But yeah. anyway, kind of a a tangent, I know, but I just, <laughs> it's it's so wild. Like here I am, Monday morning, we're recording and <laughs> nowhere to go, I'm nowhere to be. <laughs> nowhere to be no zoom meetings to be had i keep like i checked my calendar last night and i was like oh why (laughs) i don't know (laughs) just have it (laughs) that's funny but i can definitely relate to uh, like the job interview process or application process when venturing outside of other like art nonprofits and and other museums um definitely same questions like what it like you know tell us about you know, everything you're showing me is kind Mm -hmm. of art related. Like, are you ready to take this step out of that? And, um, just use that as a super unique, like talking point and not have that. It's not a question that's like a gotcha question or meant to like trick me. It's that it's more like, tell me about this perspective that you have. That is really fascinating. Right. And really useful too. Yeah. And so I, I feel the same way. I feel like people have been really receptive to art outside of the art bubble yeah. which is like wow yeah. it's um it's like oh I, I can do other things with this that is reassuring <laughs> this is shocking <laughs> was um, that fifty one thousand dollars of student debt a total waste tbd tbd will keep you posted <laughs> yeah, um, keep it <laughs> and i'm not saying that like i i feel like i totally have my life like figured out i feel like i have days where you know i'm kind of really okay with where I'm at and then I have other mm-hmm. days where I'm like you know feeling a little different about it yeah you know what I mm-hmm. mean um yeah so it's still like a back and forth situation I'm still like grappling with with how I'm, I'm feeling about it but right. therein lies the journey of my life <laughs> <laughs> there you have it there you have it folks well uh keep you posted again if anyone is in Boston Hit me up. If you are an art historian who's now working in marketing, let me know because I have a group that I think you'd be interested in meeting. Well, Gianna, we want to get into uh, the topics for today. Yes, I am so excited for today's like mega art news episode. Oh, yeah. All right, everyone. So like we said, today's Art Pop Talk is just a bunch of art news stories that we've wanted to cover, but they all popped up at once. So we're just running through the bulk of them today. And to start, we have, well, all of them are strangely maybe cartoon animation based. But uh, we're going to start with uh, with two very specific cartoon characters. So I'm sure that you've all actually heard about this by now. But at first, I was really confused about this story. So we're just going to walk through it all together. Uh, the M&Ms. That's right. Pieces of candy have a new design that's got the whole world up in uh, quite a tizzy. I'm going to read the statement that was published by Mars, which is like Eminem's, you know, parent kind of company. And this was published by Mars on January 20th. So we're a little bit behind, but quote, 
At Mars, we believe that in the world we want tomorrow, society is inclusive. (laughs) Not the world we want today, but the world we want tomorrow. And as one of our most iconic brands, M&M's is announcing a new global commitment to create a world where anyone feels they belong. M&M's has been around for more than 80 years, and this year the brand continues to evolve and reflect the more dynamic, progressive world that we live in. And as part of this evolution built on purpose, M&M's promises to use the power of fun to include everyone with a goal of increasing the sense of, of belonging for 10 million people around the world by 2025. The brand has also introduced the M&M's Fund to track the brand's impact on our mission, which will offer resources, mentorship, opportunities, and financial support in the arts and entertainment space to help ensure people have access to experiences where everyone feels they belong. The refreshed M&M's brand will include a more modern take on the look of our beloved characters, as well as more nuanced personalities to underscore the importance of self-expression and power of community through storytelling. Fans will also notice an added emphasis on the ampersand to more prominently demonstrate how the brand aims to bring people together. M&M's branding will also reflect an updated tone of voice that is more inclusive, welcoming, and unifying, while remaining rooted in our signature jester wit and humor. Okay, so off the bat, I'm not opposed to any part of this statement here. Like, it seems good to me. Nothing, you know, really to complain about. But when we look a little deeper, that's when I see some some issues maybe arise. Now I'm going to read from a CBS article on the matter, which, you know, gives us a little bit more nuance into this redesign of the characters. So, quote, M&M's iconic characters, six different colored lentils, each with their own personality, have gotten a modern makeover for a, quote, more dynamic progressive world. That's um, from the statement from Mars. The redesign is focused on creating a sense of belonging and community, as well as spotlighting the characters' personalities rather than their gender. (laughs) The most notable changes include the green M&M's redesign, which will exchange the white-heeled go-go boots she was given in 1997 for, quote, cool, laid-back sneakers to reflect her effortless confidence. Mars has received criticism for the green M&M's sexy characterization. The green M&M will also be, quote, better represented to reflect confidence and empowerment as a strong female and known for much more than her boots. (laughs) The green M&M and the brown M&M will have a more friendly relationship, showcasing a force supporting women. The two character dynamics will have them, quote, Together throwing shine and not shade, the company said. The two characters have sometimes been at odds in advertisements, but they have also been seen as friends. Or more than friends in others, like this viral tweet from 2015 showing the two M&Ms holding hands on a beach. (laughs) And this tweet from M&M's Chocolate, the caption is... It's rare Miss Brown and I get to spend time together without some colorful characters barging in. That's from 
uh, supposedly Miss Green is is reading that caption. And I have the picture here, and it's it's literally just Miss Green and Miss Brown holding their little hands on a on a bench in front of a a body of water, like the ocean or something. It's just wild to me that this CBS article is insinuating that Miss Green and Miss Brown are more than friends. <laughs> Maybe we should just uh Johnny, you and I should just get into some of these thoughts here. Okay, so is is that what's happening in this photo? They're insinuating that like they're together, like they're a lesbian couple. I mean, that's what the CBS article is like insinuating. I'm like, this is the first that I'm hearing about this aspect of it. I mean, which is like, like in this viral tweet from 2015 showing the two holding hands. I have so many thoughts about this. The reason that I was confused whenever this was first announced is because, do you know, tell me if you have the same reaction, but whenever I saw the redesign of the characters, like it was all over, you know, our social media feeds and that kind of thing, I didn't see the the difference between the two. And right now, Gianna and I are looking at a picture of the old design and the new design, and the only differences are in the quote-unquote female characters and that's miss green has sneakers instead of boots and miss brown has a block heel instead of a stiletto there are a couple other differences too in their legs so in the new design or i should say in the previous design you know she's wearing the go-go boots but she has like right. her skin showing like let's say like her scandalous upper thigh mm-hmm. um but here her legs are now like white almost like she's wearing like leggings and it looks like in the other characters too like the blue m&m the peanut m&m mm-hmm. um well especially in the blue one like it looks like he's also like his legs are white now too and if you look at like Miss Brown, the brown M&M, it looks like almost um, like her skin tone is a little bit too different on her arms and her legs. I I agree, Gianna. I think all of them, all of them, and this is a very, uh, I mean, I want to say a slight change, but, but in terms of their kind of mission to promote inclusivity, in the old design, all of the M&M characters had white skin basically like the skin Mm -hmm. of a white or caucasian person and in the new design their skin tones are still light but they reflect this like slight hint of the color of the each m&m so miss brown her skin is still very light but it has a slight brown tint and then for the yellow M&M, the yellow M&M skin is still very, very light, but it has a slight yellowish to it. Do you see that? Orange, red, yellow. Like it's, but they're yeah. all still light skinned m and Like I just, I can't believe we're talking about this, honestly. It's, it's, yeah, it's funny. It's, uh, yeah, but you know, it's funny <laughs> with the blue. Well, actually I take that back now that I'm looking at it their arms and legs aren't just like white there's like a blue tint to mm-hmm. them too so yeah that's interesting right so 
I just kind of feel I, like, can we just like can, call okay, a spade just, a spade? Like the whole reason this is happening was because we get it. Like the green lady Eminem is just portrayed as being like a sexy caricature. And like right. now it's become this whole thing. And I just feel like the sexy green Eminem was not the hill that I was here to die on you know what I mean like whatever <laughs> like she's cute I never had a I didn't have a problem with her yeah, I'm also same. fine with her wearing sneakers why can't like you know they don't have to look the same every day like if they're like M&M people they can like wear different outfits all the time <laughs> just like, like regular people do. just like regular people do like the blue M&M can wear go-go boots for all I care you know change yeah. it up man like let well, them wear whatever my... they want <laughs> My biggest problem with this whole thing is, Gianna, you're, you're right. Again, it it only seems like the most drastic changes are coming from the two lady Eminem. Like, that's what I mean. It's just like the, the whole thing about yeah. it is like, I guess okay. I, I appreciate. So you're not trying to sexualize two pieces of candy. Thank you for that. But in terms of their mission to promote inclusivity all of them now have still super light skin like no they're not all caucasian white skin they're light green and light yellow and light red (laughs) but they are all light skinned they also have these kind of pronouns and they're still gen it's my understanding that they're still gendering them as quote-unquote male and female I am also assuming that they only have two prefixes, like the Mr. and the Miss. I don't see a gender-neutral prefix anywhere, and they're still calling freaking M&Ms male and female as if they have sex anatomy ascribed to each of them. The other thing that's killing me about this is... In this statement and in the CBS article, the change from the go-go boots and the stilettos to sneakers and a block heel is this idea about power and where is it in there? Um, She's getting these cool laid back sneakers to reflect her effortless confidence. And then they also talk about Miss Brown's stiletto to block heel being more work appropriate and I just feel like that is a fashion trend and not you're still dictating what is and isn't appropriate for quote-unquote women to wear to work I'm using quote-unquote women as like they they are freaking M&Ms but do you know what I mean Gianna does that do you like do you feel the same way yes I do and again this is the (laughs) This is the whole thing because, like, they do each have different personalities, and right, the kind of minimal amount of energy that I put into paying attention to the Eminem commercials, and like, I don't know, maybe it's more fresh in my mind after the holidays. Like, we have the Eminem like holiday commercials, and they mm-hmm. are funny. I think we don't pay attention to M&Ms all the time, but we are aware of their signature tongue-in-cheek humor and the fact that they all have different personalities. And, like, to be honest, some of their other character portrayals, like the peanut M&M is, like, portrayed to be, like, really, really stupid. That's the joke, is that, like, he's not smart. I don't know. Maybe we can focus on that more than, like, if a woman wears heels or not. Like, I really don't give a shit. 
Exactly, exactly. I'm just hung up on, and I know that they are are kind of getting personality updates as well. And I'm not saying this is not important to discuss because, and I think we may have brought this up before, but in a lot of my gender courses or sociology courses, we talked about how in animation, this these like designated features of that in in larger societal mindsets evoke masculine and feminine personality so for example miss green has these ultra feminine type of very sleek eyebrows and for example the red m&m has these thicker eyebrows i can't tell if they Oh, Miss Green definitely has eyelashes, and I'm thinking Mr. Red does not have um, well, eyelashes. Also, her lips um, are very different. They're very effeminate, glossy. and they're glossy. Um, uh-huh. Miss Brown also has like some lipstick on. Right. It's just really funny how we know how to gender things that aren't even real. Like, this is something made up. This is an inanimate object that we have somehow figured out how to make. Masculine and feminine. Right. And I think that looking at those attributes and analyzing those attributes are important. That's something there's an article um, that deals with like Princess and the Frog, for example, because whenever Prince Naveen and Princess Tiana turn into frogs, you can tell which one is which because Princess Tiana has like eyelashes Mm -hmm. on. She's like a slender. And she has like a little like frog waist. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think it's important to look at those structures, but if M&M's is redoing their character design to be more inclusive, I just feel like they completely went around it in this ass backwards way. I just don't, you're still telling women what is and isn't appropriate by giving them a block heel or by giving them sneak, like if, if, Miss Green wanted to wear go-go boots and they don't even look like go-go her her old boots look perfectly nice they look like a pair of boots that I would wear to work you know what I mean? like no I know I'm like she can wear whatever just, she it, wants to work like <laughs> right don't tell me that your block heel is more appropriate it, you're still telling me what to do it's just like I, oh my god I also do think it's funny if we look at Eminem body type too or like yeah. body shape of course the yellow peanut M&M is going to be a quote like male M&M because it's more of a husky body. It's not like a slender feminine shape. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, so it's also just funny that we only get one person, one person, Jesus Christ, what are we even talking about at this point? We I only totally get don't. one character that represents that color or that type of M&M. I, you know, we don't see any other M&M. So it's like only the red are like the classic quintessential M&M. Only the yellow mm-hmm. ones are like the stupid peanut M&Ms. Only the green ones are like the girly M&Ms. I don't know. It's all very interesting. I would say in terms, too, of people who are like behind the M&M, like voice the M&M. I know there was like a statement that um, Morris had like made about the voices, but I believe it's Vanessa Williams, um, who's an actress and the, yeah, for Miss Brown. And she was the um, first African-American Miss America. 
that was in like 1984 and she was an ugly Betty and she's just like a queen. So I'm interested in what she has to say too, because being in something like a beauty pageant, being like a female entertainer, um, and like a highly intelligent, like activist, like I'm very curious about like her thoughts about, oh yeah, like take me more seriously now that my heel isn't pointy. Like what? I don't know. And her attitude too, like Miss Brown's, um, demeanor or her attitude the way her character is displayed and even in this picture like she has her arms crossed she's wearing glasses like she's smarter and more intelligent like than the rest of them and like her character trait isn't gonna change just because now she has a black heel what is this i just feel like we're we're totally like missing like the bigger picture like i literally like (laughs) this is not the issue no 1000%. 1000%. I just, I can't believe this made such a big stink. And honestly, we're, we're about to get into another article that's along the same lines. But I was like, I feel like I am crossing over into this like Tucker Carlson Fox News like line of thinking. Like we don't need to update the freaking m No, I But we are on completely different pages about why oh why correct correct <laughs> you know what i mean but but we can agree i think like i would agree with like tucker carlson and candace owens that like these characters don't need an update like that's i don't know that that's the problem no right but we're missing the point, the point. <laughs> Right. Like, I agree with Candace Owens. I was not offended by the previous Minnie right. Mouse outfit. However, it's fine if she wants to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> right. So let's get into our next story. Um, Minnie Mouse is getting <laughs> I can't believe this is real life. Minnie Mouse is getting a new look. A jumpsuit designed by Stella McCartney. Congratulations, Minnie. Happy for you. Know that I am. Get a personal design by Stella. Okay, this was announced to promote Disney's 30th anniversary of their park in Paris. And in addition to that, the bigger premiere is supposed to take place in March, coinciding with International Women's Day. (laughs) Minnie is just going to debut a jumpsuit. For International Women's Day. Cool. Um, A press statement about the project (laughs) said McCartney was chosen to create the look because of, quote, her legacy of female leadership, (laughs) as well as her commitment to sustainability. What? Yeah. What? Minnie has always had a special place in my heart, McCartney said in a press video shared with CNN. We share the same values, and what I love about Minnie is that she personifies happiness, self-expression, authenticity, plus she has a great style. <laughs> I can't. So in the CNN article that we'll link in our resources, they talked about obviously the association of pantsuits to women leaders, which is which is great. Nothing wrong with nothing wrong with wearing a pantsuit, nothing wrong with wearing a skirt either. Uh Queen AOC likes to debut a variety of pantsuits, skirts, and dresses, and I don't think there's a problem with that. I don't think she's any less of a leader for, you know, maybe not wearing a pantsuit one day. Um, then our, our dear friend Candace Owens said, quote, 
they're trying to make her more masculine. Uh, she said this on Jesse Waters' primetime. Don't even know what that is. Adding that Minnie Mouse in pants is an attempt to destroy fabrics of our society. Um, so after reading That's that, just such a I, strong I statement Googled, to I, make I, I about an animated Googled mouse. <laughs> Candace Owens in pants. <laughs> like I, I would just like to add that... Um, Miss Owen. Does she wear pants? She does wear pants. Oh my god. Is she just destroying society look, with her pants? You know, she didn't look any different to me. I didn't think that she was trying to, you know, uh, personify masculine vibes, I guess, with her pants. Um, she just looks like her own self. Um, it's not like she only wears dresses and skirts, but... I mean, all of you listening know that this is, like, a bunch of BS that she's just, like, spitting out into the ether. I just literally had to Google Candace Owens in pants. Sure enough, she's fine. Um, According to CNN, internet users have pointed out that this is not Minnie's first time for going her dress. In 2019, Disney Cruise Lines debuted Captain Minnie in a red and white maritime uniform with pants. Um, both as an inspirational outfit for young girls and presumably a practical one to be out at sea in. Um, This is uh, for International Women's Day. The collaboration with McCartney will also include a limited t-shirt collection featuring Minnie with the phrase, quote, divine feminine, Hmm. which I also don't love, um, which will appear on the runway at the March 7th Stella McCartney Winter 2022 show and will be available for purchase the following day. I I, I am fine with anyone who wants to be masculine, feminine, anywhere in between, anywhere outside of those realms. I just, I feel like with both of these stories, again, people are missing the point here. You know what I mean? And I am all for, for designers promoting clothes that make women feel more comfortable that make women feel more empowered but the point is that it's not up to a designer it is up to each person individually to wear clothes that fit their expression how they want to portray themselves what makes them feel comfortable what makes them feel like them and i am just tired of this ultra feminine ultra masculine it's like those um those gender bender days that we used to have in high school that were really problematic, you know, because it would be basically men dress up as women and women dress up as men. And that's, that's just not, <laughs> that's not acceptable. And, and that shouldn't, gender bending is not a thing in that way. Like it's just not, right. right. Because gender is not a thing. It's, <laughs> it's not just, real. It's made up. Right. And so the fact that people are still just, collaborating with these big names to put Minnie Mouse in a jumpsuit and then turn it into a whole thing about women empowerment. Well, not every woman is going to feel empowered in a jumpsuit. Well, not everyone's going to feel empowered by Minnie Mouse, a character that you also might not have an emotional attachment to. I am not an OG Disney person. Like I have no affinity for Mickey or Minnie Mouse or like the whole original Mm -hmm. crew. Like I just, 
I don't know, probably the Goofy movie is maybe like the farthest oh, back goofy. I would go. Goofy so movie slaps. But yeah. I don't know. Or I, that computer game. Yes, I was going to gonna say. And I think yeah, the thing so that fun. I remember about, no, it wasn't Minnie. It was um, Daphne. Daf- Daphne Duck? Daphne Duck. She like, it was like a diner. Wait. It was like, um, it was like a 50, it was like a 50s theme computer game. Didn't we have? Yes. And there's, I can picture it. There's like a little diner. I don't know that it was 50s theme, but there was like a 50s diner in this old computer yeah. game with like Mickey and the gang. Yeah. Oh my God. Do you even want to talk about like Daphne? Like she's like maybe the equivalent to... I don't know, Mrs. Green or, or like Miss Green or like Miss Brown. She right. has like a feisty and like sassy like personality, you know, whatever. Right. She doesn't wear pants. Like, oh my God. Like, are we going to get into that? Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, <laughs> like in some of those cartoons, like none of the ducks wear pants. I, I guess and... my thing is I don't understand. And again, maybe this my this is my ignorance, like not absorbing this kind of like OG Disney content, but it's not the first time in, in the statement that Minnie has changed outfits before. And even in mm-hmm. our silly computer game, I would say, like, I guess she wears different outfits. So if you keep changing the appearances and the visual tire of these characters, then for the better, it won't become such a big deal when they do change right. and mix it up. Um, and I think it's right. great to have like a designer come in and, you know, design for a quintessential um, animated character. I think that collaboration is really cool. But I and the jumpsuit is super cute. Oh, the jumpsuit. Say, like the jumpsuit is so cute. Is I would so freaking cute. But like as far as like an effeminate jumpsuit goes, like this one really hits the mark on that. Like she still has her quintessential bow on top of her bow. head. Her mm-hmm. blazer has two bows on it. It's got polka dots. This is still... A very much a mini outfit. You know what I mean? There was definitely right. some thought that like went into it. And I'm fine with Minnie being a feminine character. Like I don't really Or with Minnie just being Minnie. She likes polka dots. Exactly. She's just wearing a exactly. Outfit with polka dots on it. Like polka dots are a thing. Yeah. She likes polka dots like cool. And I, I think the the thing that's interesting and we don't have to talk about it too much, but um this whole divine quote, divine feminine is kind of weird. I don't understand why that necessarily has to be a part of this collaboration or why that has to be like a slogan that you slap on a t-shirt. Yeah, the divine feminine thing also, maybe it just is rubbing me in the wrong way and I can't quite put my finger on why. I don't know. And I we're Jenna and I are also looking at a picture of Minnie dressed up at one of the Disney parks in this kind of lame pink silver little dress and I love this dress. Let me just say I love Minnie in this tutu skirt almost. And when I was reading the CNN article, they referenced this because they were talking about Minnie has, you know, previously walked around in this ultra feminine outfit but then when i looked up photos of this mickey is also wearing a kind of lame suit that corresponds with this so i'm just i'm just not really here for any of this and i like i like the collab i like minnie's jumpsuit i just don't think that a jumpsuit similar to the way that we talked about a stiletto heel or a block heel defining what is currently acceptable for feminine leadership or women in the workplace i congruently do not think that a jumpsuit 
or Minnie's dress defines what is quintessential for kind of female leadership. And that doesn't mean anything in terms of celebrating International Women's Day for me. People who identify as women are going to dress however they fucking want. So that is what we should be talking about for International Women's Day, not Minnie in a jumpsuit. Right, right, exactly. The whole conversation is literally just going back to to critiquing their appearance and to changing their right. appearance. Right. To dictate what you think is powerful, to dictate what you think is appropriate, and to dictate what you think is like current and 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 relevant, I suppose, too. Like I am fine right. with a good you know, modern outfit, like her showcasing something modern, like bring her into a contemporary, you know, realm. That's great. Right. But when that's all that you're doing, that you're, you're so right. Like that's where it just becomes a no go for me. Like we're not really doing anything productive here. We are just continuing to scrutinize women's appearances to make right. you feel exactly. more comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is just like, and the fact that they both happened in the same week, I was like, what is going on? No, I know. I know. (laughs) Um, Well, Bianca, any last thoughts on, on Minnie? Wear whatever the fuck you want, Minnie. Honestly, put on some go-go boots or a stiletto (laughs) heel. Dress up like a fucking green M&M. Do you? Do you do you, Minnie? Well, do we want to take a quick break? And when we come back, we will be talking about our last art news story. And don't worry, it doesn't have anything to do with any more animated characters. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Hope you got to take a little breather, simmer down, cool down a little bit. Um, So for our last art news story today, we are kind of going back to basics, um, another story in the pandemic, um, but also more of a little pop culture craze story for you. So we are going to be talking about Wordle. Um, So Bianca, have you been playing? Like, what's your take on Wordle? (laughs) I just heard about Wordle in another in another podcast a week or two ago, and I just I don't play games on my phone. I just I I don't do that. I don't think ever in my life I have downloaded a game to play on my phone. It's just not my thing. Um, so no, I'm not playing Wordle. So in that sense, I am confused about. I guess, you know, like the logistics and inner workings of Wordle, but I'm not oblivious to its existence or all of the yellow and black, you know, squares, yellow, black and green squares or whatever. Like that is very much in my visual language now to associate those squares with Wordle, but I'm not playing. But tell me why it's in like your visual vocabulary right now. How have you been exposed to it? Yeah, just on social media, but of course, CBS News also did a story on it, and I feel like I'm like an older person 
Maybe because sometimes on CBS they do these stories where like the new hip young craze with kids is playing Wordle. You know, like have you experienced, like maybe you've seen these on your Facebook page. Let me tell you what the craze is. And so I'm sitting there being like, oh yeah, I've seen this before. Like, Like sometimes I feel like I am, I'm not the target age demographic for a lot of these CBS stories, but I fit in because I just like don't do some of that stuff. <laughs> That's really funny. Um, so I asked those questions because we are talking about Wordle because it is a little bit different than like a traditional app. And to my mm-hmm. knowledge, or at least how I've been playing it, it's not something you actually download. It's not an app. It's just like mm-hmm. something that you Google and you just like click on it and you play through Google. And then oh, okay. once you also search for Wordle, um, the Google text changes to Wordle font too. Um, there are games like Wordle that you can download, but when I first went to look for it to like download like Wordle, I wasn't I wasn't getting like the app, but maybe I'm wrong, but that's just how I've been playing it is just through Google, like through the internet. Yeah. So, and I had absolutely no clue what this was. One day people are posting about Betty White and the next, (laughs) did you guys get this word right? I was like, what is happening? Like, I have no clue what we're talking about at all. So it was truly for me, like I was not in the know about Wordle. But New York Times did a great little story um, about the creator of Wordle, Josh Wardle, (laughs) a software engineer in Brooklyn, um, who basically, it's a cute little story. And the article, which I'll share for you guys, talk about the story in terms of like, like a romance, like it's kind of a love story, um, which is a hot take for New York Times because like they're they're all about like those cute stories. Um, so definitely Wordle is a play on his name. Um, in the pandemic, the um, couple was like playing this game. So basically after the couple and Josh had kind of collaboratively created this game, they kind of played it with like their family, their friends, their small group. And then they thought this might actually be a thing. So they released it into the world. Um, basically, Um, in October. And by November, it picked up some traction, um, really small. They had about 90 people playing it. And then later on, two months later, there was 300,000 people who were playing Wordle. So it was definitely like a craze that kind of happened overnight. So Wordle is a little bit different because it is a once a day game that all it does, I know you guys don't need like a full synopsis of the game, but all you do is guess a five letter word, right? That's all it is. And you have six tries to get it right. The interesting thing that we'll talk about and maybe part of the visuals of it, the lack of visuals, what we're not seeing is that there are no ads, no flashy banners, no window pop-ups. No one is asking for your money. You don't have to pay for this. It is merely just a once a day game. So to quote Mr. Wordle, he says, I think people kind of appreciate that there's this thing online that's just fun. It's not trying to do anything shady with your data or your eyeballs. It's just a game that's fun. Um, This also got me thinking because there's a really short Enzies Anzari special on Netflix now. And like he talks about um, basically like the Chinese government trying to steal your data and how we're all like, oh no, like 
you're not going to mess with my freedoms, blah, blah, blah. Like you're not going to get my data. But then it's like, want to see how you look when you were old? And it's like, oh yes. Like here's a picture of my face. Gladly, please take my picture. I want to see what I look like when I'm old. It's amazing. Please go watch it. Um, So the interesting thing about Josh Wardle is that he was formerly a software engineer for Reddit. And I want to talk about his past projects that he created, which were essentially um, two collaborative social experiments through Reddit. One is called The Button and the other one is called The Place. And each were kind of like a phenomenon in their own moment. Um, Reddit to me is like the dark web. I don't fuck with Reddit. Like I've never been on it. So these things are totally new for me. I don't really understand how Reddit works at all. So, you know, this whole episode is me just like an outsider looking in. Like I don't give a shit about M&Ms. I don't really care that much about Disney, Mickey and Minnie. And I don't fuck with Reddit. (laughs) Well, we've, I remember this, one of these being an art news story, this image that you have that we definitely I feel like talked about that at some point. Was this art news or did I talk about this in a class? I feel like we've talked about this before. I have never seen this image in my life. You definitely have. Oh my you god! What? Okay. No, because well, I, I, we've either talked about this or there was definitely some art historical context where I've talked about this. Keep going, keep going, get into it. And people will know. All right, well, let's just say I slept since then. Um, (laughs) So the button was a really interesting social experiment, which basically all it was was a timer. And to my understanding, only a handful of Reddit users had access to the button. And essentially, like, the goal was, like, they could only press the button so many times throughout the day or, like, the week. Um, and you can't let the timer, like, go to zero. And I think the lowest number the timer got to was, like, in the 20s. And mm-hmm. it was based on this idea of competition and boredom. Like, that was a social experiment to, like, see what Mm -hmm. people would do based on this idea of competition and boredom. But the place is a little bit interesting. This happened in 2017 um, because it it deals with more of a a visual vernacular, you know, that we talk about here on Art Pop Talk. Mm -hmm. So since I, at least I thought I knew nothing about the place, Bianca, I don't know. I'm just going to take this straight description from reddit and translate it for you all so yeah so the experiment was based in a subreddit called our place in which the user could be greeted by a screen displaying a section of a canvas registered users could place a pixel or title of an empty canvas but had to wait before placing another so this was kind of the same thing we see with wordle and the same thing we see with the button it's this idea of waiting um you can't do it whenever you want the waiting time varied from 5 to 20 minutes throughout the experiment the choice of the color for a user's pixel was between white light gray gray black pink red orange brown yellow light green green aqua blue blah 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 blah, purple The early hours of the canvas were characterized by random pixel placement and chaotic attempts at image creation. Among the first distinct sections of the canvas to emerge were a corner of entirely blue pixel named Blue Corner and an homage to Pokemon. As the canvas developed, some established subreddit communities, such as those for video games, sports teams, and individual countries, 
coordinated user efforts to claim and decorate particular sections. So I think it's this interesting thing when a pop culture phenomenon takes place, um, that's a visual representation of something, you want whatever you're into to be on that thing, right? Other sections of the canvas were developed by specially created communities and coordination efforts, such as reproductions of the Mona Lisa and the Starry Night. And it's funny, even just looking at this picture, there's a lot of different pixels going on here. Um, it kind of reminds me of, I think it was Beeple's NFT image that um, you know sold for a boatload of money. All these random pixelated images, but Mona Lisa, you can kind of clearly see on this image. I can't see Starry Night. I don't know if you can find it. No, I can't see Starry Night, but that reminded me of another art news story, which we didn't cover because we want to save it for another episode. It just reminds me of the Van Gogh experience that they had on The Bachelor last week. Oh, God. Which I know we put on our Instagram stories, but uh, no, I can't find it on this image. Well, be- <laughs> Only on The Bachelor. Only on The Bachelor. <laughs> um Well, several works of pixel art were created as a result of this experiment, varying from fictional characters and internet memes to patriotic flags, LGBTQ flags, and recreations of famous pieces of, again, artworks. Several, quote, cults also formed, (laughs) which I'm really bummed that APT was not represented on this canvas in 2017. (laughs) What a marketing moment that would be for us. So several cults also formed to create and maintain various emblematic features such as a black void and multicolored rainbow roads. So this is basically, again, like I say, people just wanting to be represented on something Mm -hmm. that is a phenomenon. And Mm -hmm. I would say the other thing that I can pick out from this as um, the kind of overview stated was there are um, a lot of flags. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. no kind of flags are a really easy way to slap a visual symbol on something to be easily kind of represented. Mm -hmm. Um, The funny thing about this too was this launched April 1st. And I also believe that the button launched on April 1st too. So these whole social experiments also, you know, coincidentally, not coincidentally took place on April Fool's Day. Um, So going back to Wordle, Um, you know, but also keeping in line with this experimental thought process, I think that kind of makes the breakthrough of Wordle even more interesting. So, and also thinking about Josh Wordle's thought processes, I think he's very clever in um, making something limited, maybe making something exclusive. Um, I don't know how like underground things are on Reddit because that is not a platform that I'm super into. Um, I wouldn't say that word all is super underground. I think that's definitely like surpassed like a Reddit bubble. But there's this um, there's this routine involved with Wordle that people are experiencing. It's part of their daily routine. It's something that maybe is held in like a more kind of sacred way. or because of its like scarcity, um, as he describes, I think that like scarcity and that limitation is is kind of a, a part of this ritual that we're experiencing on the daily. 
kind of going back to Wordle's visuals and its development, again, part of the reason Wordle was created, um, and as the New York Times tell us, was basically because his partner really loved word games. It was something they did in the pandemic. They really loved the spelling bee. So this was something that he was doing for his significant other, which is really cute. But because of its kind of niche um, stardom, I suppose, it, quote, lacked this growth hacking feature that are virtually expected of other games in the current era. So while other games, you know, they give us notifications on our phones that will keep coming back to it. Um, you know, if we want to get more points, maybe we have to watch an ad. Um, Wordle does not have that intense relationship with this kind of game era. Josh says, quote, it's something that encourages you to spend three minutes a day. That's it. Like it doesn't want anything more of your time than that. Um, so it's really interesting that Wordle lacked the ability to also share results until December, until it probably got really popular, which is why for me, someone who like didn't know it was a thing, it wasn't until like, I guess recently where people are picking up that they could start start sharing their results. Um, and I honestly didn't know this until um, I was like, hey, Theban, have you played this game? And I was like showing him how to do it. And then I realized that we had the same word. And then when I looked up the story for art news for today, the social sharing feature also doesn't give you spoils on what essentially the word of the day is. So there's also this, like I think, greater sense of community happening because we're all visually guessing the same word. Um, there are two different levels. I think one is a little bit easier, one is a little bit harder. But I, I think at the end of the day, we're all guessing uh, the same word, which is also a limited dictionary. It's, you know, we know that there's only five letters, but even from there, um, my understanding is that some people have gotten upset because like, oh, that word is so hard. Like I would have never against guess that word. Um, but the dictionary is supposed to be like limited to like almost 2000 words to be more of like a common like vernacular. Like it's I, this game I, I don't believe is meant to be like extremely challenging. You know what I mean? Like he said, it doesn't really want a lot from you. <laughs> um, there are things, especially at this point, because the game has taken off that um, Josh as a creator could, you know, create links to things to, you know, make sure that you go here after someone is, you know, sharing their, basically how long it took them to, to guess the word. Um, but he thinks that would look quote trashy and not as visually compelling. And he really likes that the grid is kind of mysterious. And he thinks that that is what is piquing people's interest is that it's not this really kind of oversaturated, um, you know, I feel like if you picture a game today, it does have a vibe. And Bianca, I put a picture for us to look at, and this is Words with Friends. And I don't know if people still are really into this, um, but it's definitely a game where you play with other people online. It's just like crossword or like Scrabble, you know what I mean? But when I was in high school, this was something that people were playing a lot. Um, but the letters are in yellow blocks, highly saturated and bubbly, it reminds me a lot of what Candy Crush looks like or Angry Birds. All of those games visually use like the same color palette um, and something like Wordle doesn't. It's something very simple, back to basics, kind of like if when I'm playing like Sudoku, like online. Um, 
so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have been playing Wordle. Um, I am, I am not a big like game person either. Over the holidays, I did download a couple games on my phone because I was bored and I just really wanted, I just have this urge to be like, I just want to play a game on my phone. And I haven't done that since like I was in high school, which would have been something like really popular, like Candy Crush or Words with Friends. Um, I've never gotten into like Animal Crossings or, or anything like that. So I don't know. For me, World of is fun. It doesn't demand much of my time. I've been like playing it on my lunch break, but honestly, I'm pretty good at it. Ever since I've done it, I've gotten everyone right. I haven't failed yet. So that's really impressive. Yeah, I'm impressive. Oh, honestly, for me n- now, knowing that it's not something I have to download on my phone, that it's only online, I honestly feel like I would, that is something I would want to play because that's what I like about. I don't know, physical games or, you know, Andrew and I have played Animal Crossing and he definitely plays more games than I do. I, I like playing games with friends, like going over to friends house if they have a gaming system. It's easier for me to get involved through them. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that it's online. I don't have to download anything on my phone. I'm like mm-hmm. anti-downloading apps. <laughs> um, so I, I am... More, I'm definitely, definitely more intrigued. Also something that, I don't know, I've never been much of a, a puzzler, but Andrew and I got, well, I got Andrew a, a puzzle for Christmas and we've been working on it and I am surprised at how much I am enjoying working on just a simple puzzle, I guess, or something as simple as a puzzle. It has a lot of pieces, but I am surprised at how much I'm liking that. So maybe I will like Wordle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you will. Um, I don't know. I I feel like two little things like this, again, that Mm -hmm. don't take too much time, kind of make me feel better. Like I have like a super big, like irrational fear of quite honestly getting like dementia and like I'm not using my brain. And right. as far as like reading goes, I'm having to do always like so much reading for like work or like for APT that it's taken me a while to get back into like pleasure reading, which like, I'm happy to say that I'm doing right now. Um, but sometimes I just feel like I'm not exercising my brain in ways that I should be. And so when I do little things like Wordle or like a crossword puzzle or like a Sudoku, like I really, um, like Sudoku's, it makes me feel like I'm exercising my brain and I'm, it's yeah. not going to turn to like mush. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it a go and keep you posted. Yeah. But don't let my like irrational fear, like, you know, scare you into like playing <laughs> word. <all. laughs> no, I, I think about that all the time just because I watch so much television. Also, I don't have a job now as we talked about. So I have to uh, find some different activities for me to do during the day in between job applications (laughs) puzzling is great though i i love a good puzzle um so gianna we have some things to talk about for february february i think is going to be a really fun month of apt so get ready for some special guests a little surprise here and there but at the end of the month we are starting to let you guys know about a trivia session we have with women's art wednesday if you do not know women's art wednesday you should and we are going to start linking them in our 
social media, blah, blah, all the typical stuff. So our last episode of February is going to be a trivia session with two amazing women from the platform, and we need trivia questions from you all. So you can send this to us via email at artpoptalk at gmail.com. You can, of course, always DM us on all of our social media platforms, and we are going to put options up in our stories and in posts on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter for you to submit your questions to us. So we need trivia questions on women in art history and women in pop culture so that we can uh, play a little game with these two amazing women at the end of the month. So we will keep reminding you, but we need those questions by mid-February. We'll get we'll get you a solid date and uh, you should be seeing that from us soon. Yay. Well, thank you everybody for staying with us for the end of this episode and we will talk to you all next Tuesday. Bye everyone. Bye. Art Pop Talk's executive producers are me, Bianca Martucci-Fink. And me, Gianna Martucci-Fink. Music and sounds are by Josh Turner, and photography is by Adrian Turner. And our graphic designer is Sid Hammond.